Hello and welcome to the Lifestyle Podcast, a place where we talk about all things holistic living, personal growth, mindset, career, and more. Here we have open-minded conversations that will inspire you to lead with your intuition and go from dreaming to doing. I'm your host, Erin, and I cannot wait to share this journey with you. So let's hop on into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode. For today's episode, I'm sitting down with Lori, who's the host of the podcast Sailing Through Life. So back in 2017, Lori was diagnosed with skin cancer, which completely flipped her world upside down, rightfully so. And through her journey, she decided to start a podcast and be completely open with her own story in hopes that it could help others going through similar experiences and also create a community of support. So since May is Cancer Awareness Month, I thought having her on the podcast just to share her story would be very fitting. Um, I truly admire Lori and how resilient she is, how she's managed to shift her mindset to be more positive even through an incredibly challenging time in her life. Um, So in this episode, you know, we'll be talking about how important mindset is when dealing with adversity and learning to take things one day at a time. So Lori and I actually connected over on Instagram. We chatted a little bit over DMs and she actually mentioned to me that she found me online through one of my styling fine and thin hair videos. And that was a completely humbling moment for me because I don't know, I never thought my videos could possibly help someone go through a challenging time in their life. So she was searching for for videos and styling finer and thinner hair when she was losing her hair um, due to her treatments and, and through her cancer. I don't know, that really just like hit me that, oh my gosh, I never in a hundred million years would have thought a video like that could help to uplift someone else going through such a challenging time. So I really appreciated her telling me that because it gave me a whole new perspective on those videos that I did, you know, in my starting out days that sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so cringe about them. You know what I mean? But um, to hear her say that made me think, okay, these, you know, are maybe helping more people than I even know in ways that I could have never even imagined if that makes sense. So yeah, it, it, it all came full circle a little bit. So I really do hope you enjoy this conversation and you're able to pull something from it. But uh, without further ado, let's hop on right into it. I would love for you just to give everyone a little background and tell us about yourself, about your journey, how you got to where you're at now, and you can feel free to bring it way back. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the more context, the better. Sounds good. Thank you, Erin, for having me. I do appreciate it. And this is an important topic, obviously, for me because of going through melanoma diagnosis. Um, Yeah, I would say the majority of my story related to this topic would go back to 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, The summer of 2017, we were always outside, always doing things. um, And I had a mole on the side of my leg that I had bumped. And it 
was giving me some trouble and it wouldn't really heal right. And I wasn't really sure what was going on with it. So it was right where a skirt would hit and it would always just be irritated. So I just learned to put a bandaid on it and, and move along. And we had family out on our boat. Um, we were just enjoying a summer day and my mom being a nurse and a mom said, that's not right. You need to get that checked out. So I called the dermatologist. They got me scheduled in. I had to wait a month. So in that month time now, I'm thinking, what is going on? You can't get in any sooner. So you just have to wait. And when I got into the, uh, the doctor's office, I was looking around at all the posters of everything. And I, at that moment, knew it was bad. Um, they did a biopsy and told me they would get back to me. And so I just kind of collected myself up and went back to work. And it seemed like a long time, but I, I would say it was probably maybe a couple of days, a couple, three days when I got a call at work. Um, the dermatologist called me and said, you have malignant melanoma. And I don't remember a whole lot he said before, and I don't remember a whole lot of what he said afterward, because at that moment, I was just in shock that somebody just told me I had cancer. And you, you don't know how to process that. And it, it just really caught me by surprise um, to hear it. You, you think it, but when somebody actually says it, it's different. So I ended up calling my husband. He came to work so he could drive me home because I was just beside myself that everything I thought I was doing at that moment and into my future went away. Mm -hmm. It was gone. And I wasn't sure what I had to do. I wasn't sure what was entailed. I wasn't sure about anything. I didn't have any information outside of the next step was meeting up with a surgical oncologist. After we got that scheduled, I was within a week having surgery. Um, and they took uh, quite a bit of around that mole, uh, that section of my leg, did some tests on um, the lymph nodes in your groin. And there was, it came back with a, a trace amount on that. And that fortunately happened so that I was able to get um, the form of treatment that I was given first um, was Opdivo. And I had did that for 26 treatments. So every two weeks I went in for an infusion. I had to have a port put in to um, have that done. I really didn't have many side effects, but when I was done, everything came back clear on a scan. We had everything figured out. We were going to take the port out at the end of the year. And so in the middle of December of 2018, I had a port taken out and January 7th, I found a lump in my grain. And I went back to the surgical oncologist. They did another biopsy and said, yes, you still have it. So we had to start all over. So it's not something to mess with. And when you get diagnosed, they give you, you know, like any other cancer stages. Um, I'm stage 3B. And from what I understand, the five-year rate of survival rate um, on a stage one through or zero, I should say through two, is about 90 to 93%. When you get to stage three, it's 63. When you get to stage four, it's 20. Wow. And that's very sobering. And that is what makes me push to do what I do to make people aware of the importance of protecting yourself. And I would love to have a tan and look like I used to, you know, growing up and, and run around at the beach in a bathing suit and do all that, but it's not worth it. And, you know, your whole world changes. Um, it's not like a, other cancers that you can still go out and do those things. You still have to be mindful, but 
I have to live kind of like in a little bubble of, of some protection when I do anything outside. Um, so there's been a lot of mindset changes, like you were saying about shifting how to process what you're going through, how to make changes, how to stay healthy in your mindset, how to just grasp the change of, of what you're going through. It's been a lot. It's been a lot to see what I've had to go through to see how it's affected my husband and my family in a strange way, grateful that it happened because I found my voice and I found a way to share my story and to be somebody that people can look to, to have more information or to to question something or to find out more about what's going on and, and not be passive about it because it's, it's too important. Yeah. That's, that's a lot to unpack. And I'm curious about, because it's like, obviously you were just living life normally, you know, go to work, do the whole thing, go home, spend time with your family. And then all of a sudden you just get life-changing news. It's like, and then your whole world shifts And it's almost like, I don't know, those things you were doing before probably seem so frivolous and like nothing matters. Do you know what I mean? Can you sort of walk us through that, that shift in process and how, you know, you, you went from just doing the whole day to day things that, you know, most of us just do on autopilot. But then when you get news of, you know, your health, there's nothing more important than your health. And you get sort of that life changing news. What, what does that shift in your mind look like at that moment? I think initially when you you get that kind of information. The first thoughts that go through your mind are, I'm not going to live. And so that's, you know, very stark, but very true. You sit and think about all the things you've not done in your life, all the things you're probably not going to do. And you try to not dramatize it, but you really start reeling in your head, uh, all the things that that you may never have done or that, you know, things you've never said to somebody. I mean, you just overwhelm um, with that. And for me to go through that first surgery and to start treatments, that time home, because I'm so driven to do what I do, and it's so hard for me to slow down, it was very hard to be at home. And so I even did some work at home while I was recovering from surgery. And I wanted to get back to the way it was. And Mm. I was really striving to just recreate what used to be. And I don't know how that factored. I'm, I'm convinced that it had a factor in why it came back uh, because I wasn't reducing my stress levels. I wasn't doing what I needed to do from that point forward. I was trying to go backward in time and make it go away. Even though I was very conscious of it, I was going to treatments and doing all the things I was supposed to be doing. There was a part of me that was in almost in denial that I didn't want it to be different than it was before that happened. So I don't know, you know, if if just kind of going through that stark reality that your life is being threatened right now Mm -hmm. and to be dealing with something that you don't understand and trying to educate yourself without scaring the daylights out of yourself because you can read too much and learn too much. And it may not be appropriate to you specifically, um, but you don't want to, you don't want to ignore it. And it's definitely something, the sooner you catch it, the better. Yeah. Second time around uh, being told you have it after you just went through everything that did a number on me too. And to try to recuperate from the shock of a second diagnosis following a year of treatment had us scrambling and trying to get second opinions and try to figure out, well, 
this was the most recently approved FDA drug that was going to fix everything and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And that made it very real that this is serious. This is very, very aggressive. And if we need to come up with a plan B, we needed to figure it out. So that's when we had that second surgery and, and decided to try this next form of immunotherapy. As far as making conscious changes, trying to get through this after going through it and the second time and really trying to be realistic, um, I started to put things in perspective a little bit more with how important are certain things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I think a majority of people who are especially high drive have a hard time slowing down. And if you can stop and really become focused on what's truly important and really put those things in perspective, that's a huge shift. And it's very hard to do because you're so geared to do your nine to five and, and you're, you have certain things that are socially um, out there that are expected of you. And when you don't do them, it, you're going across against the grain and you're, you know, you're going through a lot internally and then having to figure out the external part at the same time. It's very draining. And um, I think once I finished the second treatment, that's when I, I, I started thinking this is, this is where I need to change right now. I'm not going through this again. A lot of things came together at the end of treatment and a lot of things kind of fell apart um, because of COVID. And that was like the final straw, I think, was having COVID come into the, the picture and really limiting what I wanted to do. And um, that's when the podcast kind of started happening in my mind of how can I reach people and share my experience and try to live that experience with others because I'm going through it. It's not like I've been through it and I have this victory of, of what I'm doing. I've, I'm victorious to this point, but I, there's no guarantees and I'm going through this just as much as anybody else. My conversations with others uh, in the podcast are either they they're helping others or they've been through it. And it's always good to hear other perspective on, on how somebody else dealt with it. So mm -hmm. it's like a, a virtual support system. almost. Exactly. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, how you were saying how you were sort of battling and people, you know, people expect things of you socially and all of this stuff. It's almost like there's a battle going on within your own mind as well. It's like, okay, this horrible thing is going on in my life, but I still want to show up in my personal life and, you know, do what's expected of me and do all of these things. And I feel like, um, that's some, that's sort of how my mindset is too. It's almost like the people pleaser, like, mm -hmm. even though you are going through such crazy things and you should be taking time just to retract and be with yourself, you still feel the need to show up. Was that like a huge back and forth for you? And I guess when COVID sort of hit, were you able to take that, that backseat sort of finally and be able to fully tend to yourself? I started this internal struggle of what to do. You have to always factor in that had I had had the luxury of not having to work, that probably would have been a big mm. change. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that I had to go to work because that was what was taking care of my medical expenses. There's some, there's a purpose. Um, should I have done things a little bit different or a lot bit different? 
Probably, but in scope of what I was dealing with at the time and trying to make everything happen, I was trying to do what I had to do and for my job and do what I had to do for myself. And I was trying to make both of those happen. And there was too much of a sacrifice on me and to fight what's expected to get to where I needed to go to finally have an opportunity to not be so dependent on that and make some changes in the last year to allow me to step out of the work circle has been monumental. It's a broken thing when you have to do something to make sure you can take care of yourself, but what you're doing is actually hurting you. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's like a vicious cycle. Um, I was reading, I read the daily stoic every single day. It's just like Mm -hmm. these little meditations of wisdom. And there was one the other day that really struck me. And it was all about basically how we own three parts of ourselves. We have our mind, we have our body and we have our breath. But when it comes down to those three, the only thing we actually have full control over is our mind because things can happen to you externally with your body that you never intended or have control over. Um, For example, having some sort of illness or you get hit by a car or, you know, anything can happen to your body. And it's like all of a sudden your life changes. And same thing with your breath. You know, we feel like we have full control over that, but at some day, some point, it'll just stop and that's it. That's all. So when it comes down to it, our mind is really the only thing that we have that full control over within us. I I thought that was just such an interesting one and probably one you can relate to big time after having gone through an illness yourself. And I, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you said how there are things in your life that you decide and then how there are things in your life that are decided for you. Mm -hmm. And it's all about your mindset again, once again, can sort of bring things into perspective a little bit and you can choose how to see the situations. And I'd love to just dive a little bit deeper onto how you were able to shift your mindset to come out of all of this victorious um, or as a survivor rather than putting yourself in, you know, a victim mentality. I think because I feel like I have so much more to give Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done part of my life to do what I had to do. And I still feel like there's things that I need or want to do. And in order to do that, I have to always try to shift things. And I am driven. I am absolutely, you ask anybody, if you put it in front of me and say, you need to do this, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. I will do it because I feel that sense of pride for myself. I always feel like there's always something I can do better. There's always somebody I can help. There's there's a, probably genetic, my mom being a nurse, my family's all in the medical field. There's something in our, our genes that, that makes us predisposed to wanting to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I know if I went through this struggle, there's gotta be somebody else going through it. But I've always tried to make my thought process be that this is today, I start fresh tomorrow. Um, if something happens, it's not going to be great. I will figure out a way to get through it. I've done it before and I will get through it again. The more you start doing that, the more you see everything kind of falling into place in your life. And, um, we started making some decisions about what was important for me and trying to figure out the best way to allow me to have that time to really step back and really be focused on my health and my mental, physical well-being. I think 
if you're always a doer, you'll figure out a way to do it. I've, you know, you, you just kind of go in things just at a different way than maybe somebody else does. And I always have just done the wake up and start fresh has been the biggest advantage because even though you still have things from yesterday, you still start with a clean slate and it gives you at least a little bit of a recharge uh, to, to pursue what the next steps are. And it's, it's, it is hard. It's not impossible. And it does take work and discipline to keep yourself from sliding backwards into that. And if there's a way to explain how to do it, I think it's sometimes it's just how you're just designed. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's a gift that I was able to get through this and other things that have happened in my life that have allowed me to still be here. And to know that I'm still here after the odds weren't really good with how things kind of played out, I figured I was going to at least go out in a blaze of glory. And I started taking the blinders off and the parameters off of what I could do. I never would have thought five years ago, I'm going to have a podcast and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be doing interviews. And I never thought any of this stuff. And it's really allowed me to quit being so focused on what's expected and start doing the things that I truly love to do. And to have this opportunity to share with people and to interact with people, to be uplifting and reinforce the empowerment of what your life is about and, and the opportunities that are out there. It may not be what everybody else is doing, but if it's truly in your core and it really means that much to you, figure out a way to do it. And it may be a compromise out the gate, but eventually you'll figure out a way to make it happen. And I think the more you perpetuate that, the more opportunities you have. Do you find like you've become a little bit more fearless and going after the things that you want to do or, or maybe even the opposite. No, I would say we've, we've, we've definitely become more fearless mm -hmm. in, in pursuing our dreams. Um, when I started this, the podcast, I, I figured the sailing through life meant a couple different things. We are sailors. We love boating, but it also meant how you get through life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a lot of similarities between nautical terms and, and things that actually happen in your life. And I started listening to people talking in conversations and they would throw these terms out. And I thought, these are all topics of, of episodes and ways to incorporate that into, you know, different things. And when I, you know, I did the, the episode about what is changing for me. The podcast about health, happiness, and living your dreams. The health I'm doing as, as much as I can with what I have to work with. The happiness is the mindset side of it. And living your dreams is pursuing and really going after those things that do give you pleasure, that do help somebody that do, that does give you that sense of purpose. Yeah. I, I think in the next year, there's going to be a lot of changes for me. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's scary, mm -hmm. <laughs> scary and exciting all at once. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think it's, it's time that I do it. I can always go back to the same old, same old of what was before, but now's the opportunity. I don't want to sit and thinking about, you know, down the road that I wish I would have done something different and I have the opportunity. I'm physically able to do things now. So now's the time to do it. Is it scary? Absolutely. It, uh, to, to take everything you've known in your life and the way you perceive what you should do in your life and totally dismantle it. It's, you know, unravel everything, get down to the core basics and to pursue that 
it's very unnerving. There's a lot of things involved with getting to that next phase. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I can imagine too, it's like, uh, especially, you know, someone who's a people pleaser and all of that, it's like all of a sudden you shift your mindset into being like, I don't care anymore either. Mm-hmm. You know, you just like go on and being like, I'm going to do what's best for me and like forget everything else on the outside, which is such a hard thing to grasp and to do in life because we all want to make everybody else happy and, you know, do all the things. But I feel like when you're hit with such a life-changing thing that you're just like, you know what, I'm my first priority and this is what I'm going to do. And that's exactly how it's going to go. And like you said, it's so powerful to, to do those things that give you that purpose and that meaning in life and really push forward in that. And that's something that I really aim to do in all my content is try to get people to think of what you really want at your core and not necessarily what's being thrown at you by society or everybody else around you. And, you know, sometimes having a life-changing event is what really that hits you right in the face. Like, oh crap, what do I really want at the end of the day? And what's going to make me happy and make me feel fulfilled and live my best life. Um, I'd be curious to know, were there any like books that really helped you in your mindset or were there any like tools or habits or, or anything that sort of helped you in your day-to-day life in, in staying as positive as possible and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and moving on to the onto the next phase. It's sad, but to be honest, I haven't really had a lot of opportunity to read books. I have couple of books that I have. um, And some of them are some of the books you've read in the past too. Mm. And, um, you know, to to keep me focused and motivated, Um, journaling, just even getting my thoughts down on paper so that Mm -hmm. I don't have to sit there and dwell on those thoughts. If I put them on paper, I can check them off and move along. And they're not just stuck there. If it's something truly to be worried about, that's one thing. But if it's something you're working through, I think sometimes you just need to step away from it to get clarity on it. And Mm -hmm. that's a great way to just write it down. It doesn't even have to be an official journal page. It could just be write it down and just move along. Um, But to step away from what everything is that you thought you were supposed to do and really transition that I'm a survivor. So it's, it's a survival mindset where you're just, you're looking for what you need to do and you take care of those needs. Um, and to really understand what it is that, that you need to stay focused on. Um, I need to stay focused on my health and what I'm doing. I need to stay focused on my, my journey of what it is that's important to me. Um, my family and my husband, and to really just prioritize those things. As far as any other sort of support or anything, I've, I've had people in the past I've talked to about different things to try to get through some of these challenges. I think it's, it's, it's interesting when you're trying to sort through things, if you're trying to be at one with your decision, how hard it is to keep outside forces from making you question if you're really feeling that or if it's something from the outside and really having some quiet just to really have focus on that and process that and really filter out the outside stuff to really get a decision on what it is you're supposed to do. That's the hard part is is not letting that infiltrate your your thought process and and make you feel like, did I think that or was that somebody else's saying that or did somebody, I see something that I should do that. And so trying to just sort through those things is, is, you know, the key to a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. which is, it's so important and just take things, you know, one day at a time, one Mm -hmm. foot in front of the other kind of thing. Um, 
we were sort of talking before I hit record too about how you were saying how, you know, melanoma, especially it's a lot more common in the younger generations nowadays. And I wonder if it's because of like the excessive tanning. I know I was like a crazy (laughs) tan person. I was always out in the sun and now I'm like a psycho about sunscreen, but I'm assuming you've done tons of research on this and have, have learned a lot throughout your, your process. And one of the things you do now is spread a lot of awareness and because May is cancer awareness month. Um, yeah, I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper into that and share with us. Sure. Yeah. I, I know when, um, I was first diagnosed, I had very little understanding of, of what melanoma is and, and what it does. And basically it's the pigment producing cells that go haywire. Something goes wrong in the DNA and, um, they start mutating and multiplying. And it's amazing that a mole that I had was smaller than a pencil eraser on the side of my leg has caused me to have six surgeries and two years worth of treatment. The, the push, and you'll see in a, you know, like on social media, if you follow any of these, any of these survivors and their stories, um, the push is to really do something about tanning beds and really bring awareness to the sun exposure. Um, they have clothing that you can buy that is UPF protection. Um, so it's like sunscreen in your clothes and that, that way you don't have to worry about every ounce of your skin being covered. You can put clothing on and just put sunscreen on the rest, um, anything like your face or hands. Um, but just trying to educate yourself about what this is and, and how it works. Anything that, that you can do to help yourself. And, and maybe it's just seeing how much people go through after something like this happens. And it's the sober truth of, you know, yeah, I didn't do a whole lot of tanning. I didn't go to the tanning beds. I didn't do this stuff, but fair haired and blue eyes and you're predisposed to having that, um, growing up, you know, we always, like I said, we're, we're sunscreened to the best we had at that time. And, you know, we put on a t-shirt at the beach just to cover up and, and try to protect ourselves. Then if you have five sunburns, you've now upped your chance 50 to 75%, I think to have melanoma. And so, you know, you just, if there's any genetics in your, you know, family history of, of melanoma, then that ups it. If there's any other cancers that, you know, increases it and, you know, melanoma is, is deceiving because you think it's on the surface. And once you get melanoma, it wants to do what every other cancer does get into your organs, get into your brain and, and it will kill you. And, you know, in my line of work, the job that I'm actually stepping out of, um, is in the funeral industry. And I can tell you on a daily basis, I see the sadness that happens in a family. Um, I can also tell you the number of people that I've seen that have been in my age group that have gone through melanoma and not survived it. That's very sobering. That will make you put things in perspective. It's, it's not worth dying over to, you know, not put on sunscreen. And as simple as that is, it's just as important as you're putting on makeup. You you just put the sunscreen on. So that's the part of right now that, you know, this month is especially coming up on summer and really understanding that you have the chance this summer to start 
something to do something to protect your life. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I like that this is being talked about a lot more openly now too, because I feel like even just when I was 20, this was not talked about. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's because social media wasn't a thing uh, when I was in my late teens and early twenties. And that's when I was going crazy at the tanning bed. And I was, you know, outside any single moment, it was sunny. I just wanted to have that beautiful bronzed skin. And that's just what people did. And we put Mm -hmm. like oil on our skin. We wouldn't even use SPF, which is just, insane to think about you know that's just what was normal I guess back then but I think with the spread of social media and people being able to share their messages and having voices like yours heard as well it's it's very humbling and an important reminder to be like hey like this can affect you I think a lot of the times when we're young too we think we're just invincible and nothing will Mm -hmm. ever nothing wrong will ever happen to us but that's obviously not the case so I I do think it's so important and something I try to do now on the daily too is wear sunscreen every single day even if I'm going outside or not it's something I always try to put in my routine and just getting in the habit of it like you said when you're putting on your makeup you know just put on put on your sunscreen it takes two seconds and you could be saving your life and it's just so much better for your skin I mean our skin is our biggest organ and we need to take care of that just as we do the rest of our body and you know it's just as important as how our diet is and everything else Mm -hmm. we need to we need to take care of it so I'm curious too I kind of want to talk about like support systems and stuff, because I assume, you know, from the moment you found out that you had cancer, I I assume you needed to have that support system with you and how important that was to have people surrounding you to lean on. And I'm curious also how, what advice would you give to others say, you know, we have friends or family members going through an extremely hard time. How, like, what is the best way to support someone in our own lives? Who's going through uh, a hard time? As far as support, um, when your family is trying to understand this. And for me, it was trying to wrap my mind around everything that was happening and everybody else was not really sure how to help because Mm -hmm. nobody else knew. And if I didn't know, I didn't know how to ask for help or how to process that information. And I think just being a listener um, and, and giving some helpful tips of, you know, have you talked to any of these support groups? There are so many specific to melanoma groups that organizations that you can speak to, and they would be more than happy to help you understand things and put things into perspective. They have um, call-in lines that you can, if you're feeling a certain way at a moment, you have that opportunity to reach out and talk to somebody who understands what you're going through or has been through it. And that's, I think, crucial to some of the stuff that as the patient is, is the part or as the person going through the hard time is finding somebody to to understand that because it's so much for somebody else, my husband and my family to try to understand what I'm going through. They can't, Mm -hmm. they can't because they can see it from, from their perspective, but they don't understand all the layers of everything going on in your life. And it's, it's a lot to ask of them. And so I would say if, if there was a family member um, wanting to reach out to somebody who's having trouble right now is to maybe do a little research and find out if there's an organization that specializes in that and try to connect them with those two things. Anytime I speak to anybody about um, cancer in general, cancer care, Immerman Angels, these all these groups have things out there that help. And Immerman Angels is actually um, a group that 
matches you up with a mentor that's actually been through the same diagnosis, cancer diagnosis. So they've actually been through it and you can ask them anything and you have that open rapport where you can really get some feedback and, and try to prepare yourself for what's coming. The hardest part is seeing your family not being able to help you and you don't know how to help yourself. You can't even give them directions. I know we were able to go to um, a couple of symposiums uh, discussing melanoma and really it was eye-opening for both of us because then I understood better what was happening for me, but then my husband was also better prepared to understand why I was going through what I was going through or how I was dealing with it or what was actually happening. And it, I think it's just reaching out in general um, to any group or organization that has that knowledge base of, of what you're dealing with that specifies in that because then they truly know what you're going through um, and can help you get the help you need if they can't help you and give you that direction. There's not an easy answer to that one um, just because everybody has a different experience with it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, your diagnosis really factors into how serious it is and physically and mentally what you're going through. And so I would just say, do your best to help guide somebody to reach out to someone, um, that has a way to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, as friends and family members, it's like, we don't know what to do or what to say either. It's like, cause you can't, you can't yeah. relate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I w and it's not that, you know, I would just offer to say, you know, I'm more than willing to help. Have you tried talking to these people, you know, and just kind of throw that out there. And even if it's just something you write down in, in a card or send it to them and say, Hey, I was thinking of you when I saw this. And if you need any help, it sounds like they can help you. And, you know, giving them that type of direction, sometimes the, just let me know if you need anything is so open-ended yeah. that you don't even know what to ask for. So you can't even tell somebody else what to do to help you. But yeah, I think it's important to definitely find a support system that, that, understands what you're going through, um, alleviates a lot of the stress from the immediate family and friends that can't do to that degree. Um, but yeah, it, just having their support, um, knowing that they're there for anything you need and being able to love you through all this stuff, um, is, is a gift that I've been given. And I'm so appreciative to anybody who's been in in my life through this this whole process and really helped me understand a little bit more about what I needed and how I'm able to turn that around to reach out to other people and, and help them be a support to them uh, through these challenging times that they're going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, just letting people know that you're there, I guess, can do yep. so much, <laughs> so yep. much. Um, could you, I'd love to know, like, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? I would probably go back to staying more true to me and not being so caught up in what's expected mm. and trying to figure out the best way to do what I'm truly here to do. I think it's very easy to get segued in your life to doing what's expected of you and um, you don't get that time back. I'm very happy that because of everything that has happened in my life that I have been able to be the person that can get through it and really do everything that I need to do in my life and start that fresh day every day. But yeah, I, I would have definitely stuck to my guns on a lot of things and really pursued the things I really wanted to instead of doing what I thought 
I should have done. Mm, that's extremely powerful. Well, this was great. Thank you so much, Lori, for sharing you. your story. I'd love for you just to share with everyone, you know, where we can find you online, where we can find your podcast. Well, at this time, I'm I'm just an Instagrammer, but um, mm -hmm. you can find me at Sailing Through Life Podcast on Instagram. And then the podcast is available on all the major platforms. Um, so you can even go to Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, and find it there. Eventually, this upcoming break that I'm taking, um, I'm, I'm looking to really grow things and really work on getting some more avenues uh, to get the word out and really understand better how to help. Um, so I appreciate this opportunity to be with you today because not only am I helping your listeners, but you're helping me in understanding better how to get the word out. And, and, and this is invaluable. So mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, your message is very valuable for a lot of people to hear. And, um, you know, a lot of people need that support as well and want to connect with people with similar stories. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing and, and being so open and honest about everything. You're helping a lot of people. Well, it's been an honor and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Erin. That was a really great conversation. I wanted to share with you a few of my personal favorite takeaways from this episode. So feel free to let me know yours as well. Um, Number one being if you or anyone you know is going through an illness or a challenging time in your life, just know you are not alone in any of it. And seeking out support groups or communities with others in similar situations that can really understand you is going to help you tremendously. Number two, I found it so interesting what Lori said about being in denial and wanting to go back to how life was. And it made me think about how all we truly do have is the present moment. The past is gone. We're never going to get it back. And the future is also never certain. So all we can do is the best that we can in each moment as it comes. Number three, even though you still have things from yesterday, every single day is a clean slate. Number four, I loved that Lori said if she could go back in time to tell herself something, um, something she would have done differently, it would be to be more true to who she is and do less of what was expected of her. And I think this is such a big lesson for a lot of us as we go through life. And I just found that incredibly powerful when she said that. And number five, do not forget to wear your SPF. It could wind up saving your life and the earlier you start, the better. Just add it to your routine. If you're putting on your makeup for your day, you know, you're getting ready in the morning, you wash your face, SPF always remember. But uh, other than that, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you were able to pull some value from it. I will leave all of Lori's details below as well so you can feel free to connect with her and um, I'll catch you in the next one.